Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. I'm also the author of Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, and my goal is to decode exactly how to design a life that really matters, because if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. If you're new to the show, take a deep breath. Almost everything is trivial. Only a few things are essential, and that's what this show is all about. My job is to interview, get deep really with authors, entrepreneurs, psychologists, and everyday people to help explore what's essential. Through a process of listening, unpacking, and going deep with each guest, we turn each episode into practical advice for intentionally planning and living in order to move forward. If you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. Sherry, how are you? Oh, I am so good, Greg. I'm excited to be here speaking with you. Do you feel so good? That That's delightful to hear that. Well, listen, I wake up in the morning and decide I have a choice. And uh, my day generally goes better when I consciously say it's a good day and I feel good. Did you do that this morning or did you do it just as I literally asked the question? You know, I, I do my big appreciation like, oh, I'm still here. Yay. When my eyes open. Do you? Do you do it out loud? I do it out loud. I do it out really? loud. Really? Just like you just did it just like just that? Just to yay, the universe. I'm yay, I'm still here. You know, I, I continue to find that my tone and my vocabulary literally shape my life. So, and, and I can do quite the opposite, like, hey, I'm here, <laughs> you know? So um, I, I try to be conscious of how I am shaping it. Not perfectly, but I just, I, I try to remember that. That was one of the biggest breakthroughs of my whole life when I was young. I remember quite distinctly, maybe as a young teenager or slightly before, understanding that my words did not just describe reality, but created it. Yes. That's what you're yeah. talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And I would say I wasn't super young, but for me, that was probably maybe 16 years ago when I kind of leveled up my spiritual understanding and started to think more in quantum terms about energy and, and how powerful um, our thoughts and, and, and how we're literally speaking our life into being. And what I did is I just kept showing myself. I kept showing myself that I was casting my fate. <laughs> um, and in and, and either way, you know, I could make things really bad. I could make things really good. Um, and again, um, the the human part of me has to be reminded, even though I know it. I love that phrase, casting your fate. And I want to hear more about the story as well behind this. But let's do the official part. Sherry Salata, who has written The Beautiful No. Uh, and other tales of trial, transcendence, and transformation, but just that title. As soon as I saw that, I thought, well, the, the, the match between that and essentialism and this audience is so good. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know, I, I, I cast that <laughs> into, the, into the future. I knew that you and I would end up talking one day uh, about what you've written 
uh, and, and the story behind it. Welcome to the What's Essential podcast. Thank you so much, Greg. I'm so happy. First of all, I'm honored to be in your company. Um, I consider you one of the great teachers of our time, and I've known a teacher or two. Um, and I'm just so glad that you you energetically understood the power of what I mean by the beautiful now. Mm. I, I hate to do this because it's so like self-oriented, but like, do you feel really what you just said that, that you, you're saying, yes, I think you're a good teacher. You're, do you feel what you're saying there? Or is that just sort of politeness? No. Because what else would you well, say listen, at this moment? I will tell you that I am very polite. Um, I am very, <laughs> very polite, but I would not say that unless I meant it. Um, I, I just don't even know coming into this conversation or until you say that, that you're familiar with essentialism at all. Um, but when I saw the beautiful no, I thought, well, whatever the, whether there's even a connection, you know, in, in some formal way, there's definitely an alignment of, of, of understanding. Yes. Um, T t tell me, I mean, you have such a the story behind the beautiful no. We've got to start there. I'm sure you've shared that lots of times, but that we've got to frame it there. Can you tell tell us all the story? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. And I'm going to start with this deep tease. It has become one of the most profound spiritual principles of my life. Uh, it did not start out that way, but it has become mm. that. Um, I, I had a very, very twisty, turny road um, on my way uh, to what turned out to be the career of my dreams. And I had a lot of jobs that weren't so dreamy, lots and lots and lots. And um, at one point, uh, a fate, you know, I, I, I started to get on, I was closer to the track. It's like warmer, 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 you're warmer. And I was an, I had become an agency producer of television commercials and living in Chicago. And, but there was a little show across the river called the Oprah Winfrey show that was making, making big headlines, making national news. And on, on a lark, I applied there because I thought, gosh, I think that would be really cool. And uh, of course uh, I, I got an, uh, an instant um, voicemail. Uh, it was nice of the woman to leave a message. Actually, she said, I'm sorry, you're not what we're looking for. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I, I get it. I'm in advertising. That's television. It's not the same industry. Okay. And I just, you know, trotted on down the lane and my, my soul um, after maybe six years in advertising, I was, I was, I felt incomplete. Like I'm, I'm, I'm warmer, but I'm not hot. This isn't it. You were on a parallel path. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I like producing. Uh, it's creative. It, it takes uh, full advantage of my organizing bossy personality and, and, you know, put it, keeping all the balls up in the air. And it's also creative and fulfilling, but I don't really care about shampoo. <laughs> And I, I can't make myself care about it um, to put this level of heart and soul into it. So, so I went to freelance um, thinking that maybe a better agency and better clients was the answer. And I quickly, I mean, I, 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 I quickly hit bottom in, because it turns out selling myself for money is not a big talent of mine. That going out and being like, you, yeah, will you give me a job as a freelancer? I was terrible at it. 
I didn't like to pester people. I didn't like to keep calling people. So in short (laughs) order, I was out of money. I could barely pay my, um, uh, my rent. Um, and, and, and in such desperate straits that friends were bringing casseroles because they were, they knew I, I, I didn't have any money. And by the way, I'm around 34 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, feeling like a failure, you know, I'm out of money. I haven't really, you know, hit, hit pay dirt on this job thing. Um, I had been kind of touted as somebody of promise in my earlier days. And now I'm, I'm like 13, 14 years out of college and I've not made it. Let's just pause for a second. I mean, that is genuinely rough moment, right? Like that's what you're describing as rock bottom. Because you're about to tell, you know, next parts of the story. But yes. at that moment, there is not another chapter. There's you're not another there. chapter. And it's about to get worse. Mm. And it's about to get worse. A friend arranges a an interview at one of the top agencies in Chicago uh, with the top guy, the top executive producer. And I, I, I go into that interview ready to dazzle. And I do. And he all but hires me in the room. He's like, I'm going to pay you a ton of money. I'm going to put you on our best accounts. You're exactly what I need. So I leave that interview uh, uh, tasting, you know, imagining the champagne on my lips in two hours. And I I (laughs) gather, you know, my circle and we're celebrating because, you know, when you love people, you're worried when they're, when they're, when they're sinking, when they're failing so badly, we're cheering, we're cheering, we're so, we're so happy. And of course, the phone call, when do I start, never comes. And one week later, the form letter from the HR department, sorry, we're not hiring at this time, comes. And I'm about as low as I've ever been. I am so out of gas, emotionally, spiritually, financially, that I'm now, uh, you know, hair on the top of my head, big ponytail, pajamas, eating chips, watching soap operas, and really thinking like, well, this, you know, I'm a failure. I'm officially a failure. And I could feel myself though, Greg, you know, I look back and like, but you did something different. It was almost like I took my hands off the wheel and said, well, I don't know what to do now. I've done all the doing. Mm. I don't know what to do now. A short time Mm. thereafter, in the midst of my depression and sadness and failure, uh, I get another message on my answering machine that is, this is so-and-so from the Oprah Winfrey show. We were cleaning out a closet and found your VHS tape of commercials and your resume. Will you come in and freelance in our promotions department? And that's the department that mm-hmm. does the little daily spots for the show. And of course, you know, Mm -hmm. I say yes, because it was like a lottery win. And I go in and they ultimately Mm -hmm. hire me. And it was a new person in the position who was looking for somebody with agency experience and everything lined up. And that was the beginning of a, of a, my 20 year uh, career with Oprah. And I'd like to tell you I was smart enough to figure it out at the moment, but I didn't have my spiritual chops down. Um, it was, it was several years later when it hit me like, like an epiphany that shook me to my core. And that was, if I had gotten that job 
at the big agency, no way would I have had the courage to leave that for a tryout at the Oprah show. To leave the security I thought I so desperately needed, I would have let that Oprah show dream sail right on by. And that's when I realized that is the most beautiful no I've ever gotten. Like they all are. Mm. It, it just reminds me of the old Cortez idea that of burning the ships. Um, the way that yes. story goes is that, I don't even know if it's really true, but that he burns the ship so that they can't go back to the old world. They have to make the new world work. But you're saying it is sort of cosmic sense that the universe sometimes burns the ships for you so that you can, um, so that you, you, you're unencumbered and can therefore absorb, adopt, say yes to the thing that's coming around the corner that you can't see yet. Well, and, and, Yes, and because then I was like, once I figured that out, I was like, okay, does it work in every situation? You know, and you go back and you see um, the romances that failed, those beautiful no's, and the other disappointments that came up. And you start to look at that mystical pattern of the whole, the, everything that happened because of that no and what it brought you, what it, the gifts it brought, the people it brought, the experiences it brought. And it's almost like this, this thing. I was raised Catholic, a lot of talk of faith, but I don't think I totally understood the, the energetic piece of that, which is it's a living, breathing thing, that faith thing. Catalytic. Yes. And it's really understanding that if you say you have faith and if you, if you can latch on to the belief that there is this quantum field, this mystical, you know, amazing, the force, um, whatever name you choose to give True. that, that div- divinity, then maybe we can start to collapse time. So when we are disappointed or rejected or heartbroken, we can have our human moment over it and get right back into curious. Oh, I can't wait to see how this story turns out because we know it's going to be good. Tell me this. You've had an ongoing evolution since that moment. You know, the no, um, Mm -hmm. this beautiful no, you go and start producing at first these ad segments, but there's a journey even within that to what you became within the Oprah show. I mean, that Oprah journey, that Oprah show journey is, is one that you were part of, you know, front and center. Tell me about that journey from the moment you actually get that call and how it evolved. Oh yeah. Well, um, I will say one thing, you know, every, there are a lot of things that make sense to me now that I get the call for a fairly entry level opportunity in their promo department and I'm 35 years old and the 35, it, it's kind of outlandish. You know, most of the show producers were young, way younger than me, but I had been around the world a bit. 
I had been a 7-Eleven store manager. I had been a toy store manager. I had been a typist in a typing pool. Um, I knew a thing or two. So when I walked into that rarefied air, I knew it was a once in a lifetime, well, nothing will ever be like this scenario. And that's not to say that there weren't pressures and, and there weren't days of, of like, you know, brother, you know, this person's so difficult or this is so hard or how are we going to get all this done? Because it's a human experience. But on almost every other level, most of the time, I, I could feel that my, my purpose was in alignment with what was going on, that it was going to be a ride like no other. And I had gotten some really good advice from my former boss, um, Perry, who had said to me, because he imagined that there was a lot of competition, a lot of pressure, a lot of um, a lot of things that happen very often in something that receives international attention, has celebrity around it. And he told me, just do the job in front of you, and I believe Oprah will pluck you out. His exact words to me, and I was like, really? I mean, there's a lot of people here. And it just hmm. was true. Like, over time, I think... My tenth year, as an you know, as a, an employee, um, she made me executive producer of the show, which was, I mean, that's huge. That journey alone is impossible. Impossible. You don't go from the s- support staff to the the show staff, so it was impossible, and yet it did happen. Now you're executive producer of effectively the biggest show in television. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and just a few years before, yeah, you know, completely different path. Yeah. What, what were moments, you know, when you just look at the time as executive producer, what were moments you personally were involved in that you just go, oh, that was magic. This episode is sponsored by Shopify, selling a little or a lot. <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you Cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. 
sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. Um, a, a lot of it is like a, a streak across the sky. It was all coming so fast and furious. It was like being handed a manual to this is how you fly a jumbo jet and then being seated with the controls. Um, it was really, really, really a stretch. It felt like brain surgery. You know how that, that <laughs> remark is made. It's not like it's brain surgery. This felt like it when you had millions of people around the world, you know, waiting and, and you had this once in a century kind of talent that your responsibility is to help the team shape the setting that, that this talent can do, this person can do what she's meant to do. Listen, the biggest company benefit for me was I got paid to build a spiritual life. So the more I understood spiritually, the more exposure I had to thought leaders and teachers and a new kind of language around spirituality, the more I knew how important it was. I was like, whoa, how does this happen? That this unloved child from Mississippi, I mean, ends up in this this situation. This is... This is about something so much bigger than I have the capacity to imagine. So that's to say, that's how seriously I took that responsibility. My most joyous memory probably is that last season, the, the finale season, because it was, mm. everything was in flow and, and filled with ease that we did things we had never done before. And yet it all seemed to come together, you know, with, in, in, in an effortless way meant to be, you know, if I had one fear, it was, will I be able to help and support the team in, in landing this show that this legacy deserves? And, you know, it was done. It was done. There's nothing that I would do differently. And I have high standards. So I thought it was really, really the, the perfect way to wrap. But that's such an interesting description that it was ease. It felt there was an effortless quality to it. I mean, literally, I, I literally just finished a book that is, uh, that, that's coming out oh. here in a couple of months, and the name of it is Effortless. I, mean, I just thought that was such an interesting description. And I know what you mean because of that season did, I think, feel different. And I suppose... Because I'm just guessing, but that you all involved knew this is, yeah, I don't know. This is the crown. Okay. This is the, yeah, we, it's got to feel graceful. No, but it wasn't so much about you trying to make it feel graceful. It was that the, the act itself was graceful. It's like, look, we could carry on. We could carry, we could do another season, another 10 seasons. This could go on and on but it feels right now. So it was Im imbued with that feeling. I absolutely felt that. You, you are spot on. I absolutely felt that, that the timing was perfect and we were in flow 
and all the cooperative components arrive to help sort things out and make things, uh, you know, that, that sense of alignment was really there. You know, our last couple shows we did at the United Center to an audience of, oh, 16,000 plus. And obviously, that is not what we did every day. We were not specialists in a grand event like that. That kind of producing is its own specialty, but off we go. We're going to do it. Uh, we have, you know, every star in Hollywood is going to fly in. It's a, What we're doing is a surprise to Oprah. She doesn't know who's coming. She didn't even know where it was going to be. And of course, in Chicago, United Center, home of Michael Jordan, is the only place it could be. And there was hockey and basketball playoffs. So literally, we're still producing other shows that last month while we're preparing this extravaganza that we have no experience doing, but we're going for it. And up until like two days before, we don't even know if we have the arena. I mean, that's how crazy. Wow. And and yet, and yet, I like in another life, you know, years before that, I would have, you know, I, I, I would have popped an ulcer over that. This time, though, it was like I had some anxiety, but I was like, it's not entirely in our hands. There are other forces at work here. And, and, and so, of course, everything worked out perfectly. Never before in a live show had we ever had a perfect, perfect where we didn't miss a music cue or little, because that's how production is. Right. We did this gigantic thing, nothing, not, nothing, nothing missed, nothing dropped, nothing gone wrong. And I felt like I was just there to witness the universe really capping off what had been a 25-year offering to the world. That's what it felt like. Yes, there's something in that description of that final year of um, a gift. Yeah. Not just a gift to the world. Hey, here's the show and this has done this good thing. There is that element of a gift, but also just the acknowledgement of this has been a gift to us too. Yeah. Uh, that this, this whole thing has been a blessing. So it seemed to be imbued more with that feeling. Well, it is true. Well, let's circle around that effortless quality because there were times when it wasn't. You know, there's times when, you know, like even, even right now, when I'm checking in on myself and something feels like those neural pathways of doing, doing, doing and moving boulders uphill, are, are, those grooves are deep in me. And I have made a conscious decision. I don't want to live like that anymore, where I'm just, you know, slogging and pushing and making things happen, even when the timing isn't right and efforting, efforting everything that I really have to, I have to watch myself. I have to watch myself. Greg, I have to tell you, you know, this, the 2020, the year that never was, the the gift that dropped in my lap was, you know, the whole world had to shut down for me to see that I hadn't completely healed that part of me, that I still would show up for duty at my kitchen table, even though I work for myself, clickety clack in the keys, 
from 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 you know nine to six, like unwilling to take a walk in the garden because it's work time, that I still had some unraveling to do about understanding understanding the spiritual power of effortlessness, like what that really means. Yes, you're describing. Uh, I mean, I love the word efforting. Uh, and but but really, this forcing way of living, yeah, that yeah. we think we need to force results, force goals to happen, force people right. to do the things that we want them to do. It's not a small change in experience to move into a world of like, no, I'm not going to force anything. Yeah, yes, it's a revolutionary act, isn't it? What have you learned about making that shift as you go in and out of that state? Well, what, you know, and I'm still, I'm still circling around that. So I'm, mm. I'm still noticing, I'm still getting really curious. Um, I, I do notice the level of, I have no artificial anxiety. And, and I think, I think what for me anyway, um, that I used to mistake that that artificially created level of anxiety for life force, that tension that one creates when one is working out of alignment. I would mistake that for passion, excitement, life force. And what I'm finding is the more I let go, where I really just don't take my spiritual practice and put it in a drawer and pull it out, maybe in morning meditation and on Sunday, where I'm really, really like, no, this is the way. This is the way you want to do all things. And you're going to think about think about how you want something to be. You want to think about what you want to call into your life. You're going to line up with that by that mood management that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation. I know that I can control the momentum of the fate I'm casting by managing my mood. That's a simple pro tip to get me into alignment. When I do that, I got to tell you, Greg, I feel... I feel happy. I feel content. I feel appreciative. Like I just appreciate this moment right this minute that we're chatting about the only conversation I want to have. And I'm looking out at an olive tree out of my window and I just feel at peace and at ease. Lots of people, when they hear the idea of letting go, especially if they're overachievers, if they're driven, they're intelligent, they're successful, they're worried that in letting go, they're not just going to let go of the, the stress and the negativities and the downside. They're also going to let go of accomplishment. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that feeling that, okay, if I let go, you know, will I not achieve anything? If you, you know, once you've sussed out your real motives on that achievement piece, which I highly recommend, I would describe it this way. Here's what I found. So this is my highest experiential knowing about this, that it was always about a choice, the hard road or the easy road. (laughs) 
the hard road being do things out of timing, out of alignment, pushing boulders uphill, trying to hold all the balls in the air, whether or not they're even your balls, you know, (laughs) so to speak. And then there's the easy path, which is, you know, it's living your life from a spiritual foundation and understanding that there is divine timing and you are being assisted in a million ways you will never know. And really your job is to stay on track. It's to dream it up and watch what happens. It's to offer your highest vibration and watch what happens. To me, it's just crazy to hear you describing those things. I mean, I am literally just been consumed with this language, the hard path, the, the, you know, the easy way and not the easy way in the sense of, um, I don't know, sort of the lazy path or, or somehow self-centeredness or something like, yes, I think there is a kind of, an easy culture around that, that, that none of us would aspire to, uh, you know, that I'm, that's nothing whatsoever to do with what I've been trying to write about now. But I mean, you're just saying the same thing and it's so affirming that there is a spiritual and moral and, uh, right and good path. That's easier. And allowing for the synchronicities, you know, it's almost like, you know, what I'm playing around with is making sure I'm noticing it, noticing all the ways things show up, the right person shows up, they say something, it sparks an idea. Like I'm starting to ask myself when I have a new thought, where did that come from? Where did that come from? That's a really good idea. Where did that come from? Because I just want to turn back a little bit and look at the breadcrumbs that led me to that moment, because I think that's a part of what we're talking about. This mystical quantum thing that's going on that we can tap in with a little focus. I wasn't at all in any way intending to talk about effortless today in this conversation or or the book, but I just can't help not doing it because of these points of alignment that there are three parts to the book. And part one is effortless state. And it's the idea that, Mm. uh, that you've been describing here, that if you can get into that state of ease where you're not trying to say it has to be how I want it right now. No, you, you're, you're getting out of that and into this state of flow, not just because you're doing what you love in that sense of, you know, that idea of flow, there's nothing wrong with that, but where you're just not letting go so that you can join a bigger flow that you yeah. can be part of something. Yeah. It sort of reminds me somehow of, uh, of finding Nemo. And there's that scene where, uh, where they join the turtles who are on the current underneath the ocean. And so that yeah. as long as they get into that flow, lots of good things are going to happen. They're going to come into fruition. And so it's not the same as just somehow waiting around for someone. No. It's not that you're not taking responsibility. You're taking responsibility, but you're not making the error of then overexerting and overstressing and exhausting yourself so that you can't discern anything. You're being in a place and, and I've heard people describe it as like, you know, 
so I can be useful. Use me. I'm here. Yeah. I'm willing. My heart's in the right place. You know, I'm, I'm not forcing anything. So now I can be inspired to know what I should be bringing forth and I can start noticing it when it is. And I can start being grateful for all the, the, the blessings and, and, and aid I am receiving. It's a very different way of living and experiencing life. And it produces effortless action and effortless results. This has been my observation, but what you're saying is, is very confirming today. I am right there with you. Maybe there's something in this time, Greg, that, you know, and, and why we're having this conversation right at this moment, that we're all ready to make that quantum leap. I was doing a meditation not too long ago. And, and this, this hit me when I came out of it. My job's the what and the why. And I can be ex- excitedly expectant to see how the details unfold. And that I think is kind of an expression of what you're saying, which is that there, you know, being allowed, allowing yourself to plug into the mystery of, of the details of how things come together and waiting for that moment of inspiration where, you know, cause, cause listen, I still, I'm like, well, what do I have to do? I have to talk to myself and be like, you know what? You'll be inspired. You'll be inspired. And sure enough, if I look back and look at the breadcrumbs, I'm like, oh, I did that because I had that idea. And then this thought happened. So I, that's where I'm trying to put my focus for myself right now. What's the what and what's the why? You said two things there and they, they both resonate with me. The first was maybe we're already collectively to step into this. And I definitely think that after 2020, which has got to have been for a lot of people about the most efforting year yet. Now there was opportunity for it to be a different kind of year. And I know that many people have stepped into the opportunity of 2020 to be able to reevaluate and shift and pivot and reflect and think. And some of us, had to think even if we didn't want to, it was like we'd been sent into our rooms, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah, go have a think about sure. that. So I think there was the lots of opportunity in 2020, but I, I still think, in fact, sometimes when I talk about this new book, I get quite emotional about it. Somebody was just asking, um, a friend of mine, Susan Kane, was just asking me, why? Why do you get emotional? And some of it's to do with the stories that I'm sharing in it. But, but there's another part, which is that I just feel like there's so many people who are suffering and have like pain because basically what they did with the new challenges of 2020 is like, well, I've just got to work even harder I mean, they were working hard before. They had responsibilities before, but then suddenly they're homeschooling their children. They weren't planning on doing that. Now they've, maybe they've had a disruption with work. Everything, of course, is Zoom, eat, sleep, repeat. So there's that burden. But it's like that even in their state of exhaustion, they think the answer now is to work even harder, to double down even more on this existing strategy. So this is where the emotion for me comes from with this is, is like, man, there is a different way. Well, when does your book come out? April 27th. 
well, that's the day we're ready. <laughs> that's such a beautiful thing to say. That's the day the portal <laughs> opens, my friend. April 27th. <laughs> that's the day the portal opens. Um, well, yes, obviously, we've summoned this information through you. You know, if we want to be really specific about it, and the portal opens April 27th. And everything you said, I have goosebumps because I'm right there with you for my own self and for, for humanity. I think we are ready for an easier way. Sherry, I have a question that you've just brought to me here. And there may be like no one on the planet who can answer it. And you might not be able to answer it because something stuff went so fast in these years with the Oprah show. But, but there's a story about a mother who was on the show who told of her experience with her son as he's on his deathbed. You know the story. I know oh, you know I the do. story. I do. And, and the mother climbs up into the bed. Jenny and, and Maddie Stepanek. Oh, no, my goodness. You know the name. I cannot find the name anywhere. Maddie Stepanek. Okay, hold on. I got to. I, I know that we're like live, but I still got to write it down because I will. Opponent. Be the worst. Poet. Say it again. Who? Who is it? His, his name was Maddie. Um, M a t t i e Stepanek. S t e p a n e k. Oh yeah, and his mother's Jenny. And mother Jenny, the, the, you know, I have found that story referenced, but I cannot find the names. And you have just done it. Do you want to just finish the story here? Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's just a, a beautiful wrap on a beautiful conversation. Yes. Well, Maddie uh, um, was introduced to, he, he was on the Oprah show many times. He was one of our all-time favorite guests. He called himself a poet and a peacemaker. His wish was to to bring love. And he was, I mean, he wasn't, a child of this world. He was afflicted with muscular dystrophy. He had MD. So he was in a wheelchair by the time we met him. And he was one of the wisest souls that have ever walked the earth for sure. And when he was dying, his mom, Jenny, got into bed with him. And one of the things, you know, it was a very similar story to kind of like Steve Jobs, you know, which is this wow, this wow. Do you remember specifically what he said that touched you so? What he said at the end was, it's so simple, mom. It's all so simple. And it is. Sherry, it has been a beautiful conversation, a wonderful moment. I feel very uplifted uh, going into the rest of my day, into the rest of this journey uh, and it's just been an absolute delight for me. Thank you for, uh, for you know, for, for taking this journey that you're taking now. Uh, of course, the beautiful no, the book, fantastic. People should read it. But that's obviously only one manifestation of what it is you're trying to do and what you're becoming. And uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing how the journey continues. And I look forward to now. Uh, our paths being connected in the way that they are. Sherry, it's been a joy. Me too, Greg. Same. 
Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.